Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. I'm Tom Dunlap, your host. If you haven't heard of COVID-19, then you don't live on the planet Earth. It's affected literally everything we do. And today, that's why we're doing this Black Letter podcast once again by remote video. Here we are today in Virginia with an expert national leader in mental health and family law, John Whitbeck. And we're going to talk about some of the things that COVID-19 has done to families when it comes to things like child support, custody divorce, things like that. It's been a really challenging time, not just from a legal standpoint, a practical standpoint for businesses, but for individuals too. They're trapped at home, they're emotionally stressed, and it puts strain on marriages and relationships as well. And by the same token, there are people who are in domestic relationship court orders having to deal with child support and custody and all of these things. And it's just a complicated mess of stuff. So Here in Virginia on March 12th, Governor Northam signed an order declaring a state of emergency all the way through June 10th. And then to complicate things for child support, custody, and divorce, the Supreme Court of Virginia issued an emergency judicial order on March 16th, which limits the kinds of cases that can be heard. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce John Whitbeck, again, a national thought leader. He'll tell you a little bit about his background. And John, if if I could just start, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your background in mental health and family law, and then we'll just kind of dive into what's going on. Well, thank you, Tom. It's great to be with you. Uh, I'm a partner in Whitbeck Bennett, which is a Leesburg, Virginia-based law firm with offices in Tyson's Corner in Richmond. We do family law, mental health law, and special education with a heavy focus on family law. I've been doing family law for almost 20 years. And as you said, this is a a, a crisis in, in many ways. But family law is one of the big areas we're really seeing the impact of it. John, tell me a little bit about first, how does COVID-19, how is it affecting how people deal with, say they're having a challenge with their spouse, they're trapped, and they would need to talk to an attorney about whatever the issue is. Maybe there's a a mental health issue with them or their spouse. Maybe they want to talk a plan for divorce, hopefully not, or separation or deal with something like that. How are people dealing with that when they can't really leave their house? Yeah, you know, Tom, that's a that's a great question. That's the number one problem we have right now is the privacy or security of being able to talk to your lawyer. We have situations right now where spouses are furloughed or teleworking or sent home from their jobs. And what normally would be a separation during the day is turned into being thrust together full time. And some people are in active litigation in this kind of situation. Because a lot of people, when they start their divorce process, they still live together or their custody process, they still live together. So what we're having is is a privacy problem. And I have clients literally talking to me on the phone, locked in the closet or in the the garage or in the bathroom, 
trying to get some privacy from their spouse, and it's become a real huge issue. One creative solution that we've come up with, Tom, if, if, if you don't mind me just mentioning. No, sure. We have these COVID-19 consultations where we actually set up private rooms in the firm, you know, free of human contact, where there's video conferencing with the attorney that actually is designed to give you the privacy you need, but also maintain the social distancing that's so important during this time. So, so people can go into your offices in Virginia and Tyson's Corner and Fairfax, Loudoun, Leesburg, and Richmond in the Richmond area. And they can meet with you like they're there in person in a conference room privately, but you won't physically be there or your attorneys from your firm won't physically be there. Is that, is that about right? Correct. Correct. Some people are obviously okay with in-person contact, but very few want to do that at this point. And Zoom and RingCentral and all these different apps, they're great. And we certainly use them when people are, are willing to do that, but there's just no substitute for that private room with no spouse down the hall or nobody listening or children not being able to overhear what might be right. going on. And so it's really important that people have that privacy. We've given them that option. I think it's something that's going to work really well. Okay. No. So tell me about how people are dealing with something that, that I did a little research before the call, but apparently people have child custody orders where they share custody of their children. And if the child is immunocompromised or has asthma, some spouses are worried about the child traveling to the other spouse's home, but there's a court order saying you've got to share custody. What can somebody do in a situation like that? Well, the only access to courts that are open right now is emergencies. So you really only have an emergency situation. So you have to evaluate on a case-by-case basis what, what you can do. But for cases that are not really an emergency, I'm telling people to ask themselves two questions. Number one, what's in the best interest of my child? And two, if I were in front of a judge, am I going to look like the unreasonable parent? If answer the both questions is really what, what should guide you. You have to follow court order. There has to be some sort of order maintained and, and the law followed. But, but re- the reality is if you have an immunocompromised case, for example, where a child has severe allergies or asthma and whatnot, if you're the receiving parent and you live in, say, an apartment in a, in a confined space in an urban area, is it really in the best interest of your child to force that weekend visit during this time, which you can make up later? I say, conversely, if you're the parent who has that child, is the child's issue so serious that riding in a car with their other parent and going to that parent's house really something that puts their life in danger? And you really have to ask yourself that. So what you're saying, John, in a nutshell, is the best interest of the child. What's the reasonably safest, best thing for that child? Because that's what matters in these orders. That's what I'm hearing. And that's how a court in an emergency situation is going to look at it. The judges, you're hauling the judge out of their house and their safety to tell the judge about this other unreasonable parent. And you really have to kind of weigh that against what's best for the child. What would your advice be then to a parent who's in a situation like that in terms of making the call to a lawyer? I mean, is that something you could talk somebody through? Yeah, definitely. So If you're the parent who has primary custody of the child, the first thing you should do if you really have a serious issue where COVID is is impacting you is you need to file a motion or a petition to modify the order. Uh, It's going to be tough for someone to argue that you're willfully in contempt of court court order later on down the road if you filed something and put something in the record. And I think that's really important. Make sure you file something immediately before you take any action. You have to follow court order. A lawyer's always going to tell you that if they're ethical. But there's nothing wrong with filing something to alert the court that there's a serious issue. If you're the parent who would have to enforce the court order to get their visitation, 
you have to remember that that you know you're not necessarily going to get the other parent filed in contempt of court because they withheld visitation under this certain circumstances. So what you should do in that situation is really think about before you file something to hold them in contempt, are you being reasonable? Are you right. forcing a child into a dangerous situation? If you're not, then by all means, you need to file something to hold that parent in contempt because there are parents that are going to manipulate uh, the situation and use it to withhold visitation. It happens all the time. So now, John, let me ask you on a related topic. A lot of people that you work with in your practice are subject to spousal support or child support orders. And during COVID-19, more than 3 million Americans are now no longer employed since the start of this. And my understanding is it's not necessarily getting better right now. It's probably going to get worse before it does eventually get better because there's, there's always a bright side at the end of every down. But that said, there are parents who can't necessarily meet their support obligations, and there are two sides to that. And so my question for you is, both sides, what is a parent who owes that support obligation, who doesn't have the money because they don't have a job or have been curtailed or furloughed or reduced? And on the other hand, what is a parent who needs that money but can't get it from the parent who's lost that job? What's the advice there during this crisis? It's simple for the payor spouse. File now. There's retroactivity associated with spousal support and child support modification, potentially credits and whatnot. You're court ordered to pay your support and you're going to have a hard time doing it. You got to file now. If you're ultimately determined to be in good faith, having filed and, and unable to pay your support, you can get a credit. So what is, I'm sorry, John, what is it that you file? You file. So if I owe money and I've lost my job, I need to file a motion or a petition to modify spouse support and or child support. So basically tell the court right away, hey, I've lost my job or I've been reduced or I don't have as much money as I had. I can't meet the obligation you're ordering me to pay. And to protect yourself, you need to get something in front of the court. Even if they're not going to hear it, you need to get on record. Immediately. Okay. Normally, you can file on a material change in circumstances. There's no question in my mind that COVID-19 impact on your job is a material change in circumstances that's a good faith filing to modify support. Okay. What if I'm on the other side? What if I'm the payee spouse? What if I'm the one who's receiving support and my spouse is like, I can't pay you. And I don't want to be a, a tough person, but strategically, what's the best thing for me to do to make sure that I have the money I need ultimately for my child from an yeah. advocate's perspective? No, that's a great question. So get as much information as possible. Normally, okay. when we're talking about a support, we're talking about income and maybe health insurance and financial needs and whatnot. Delve into what's in the what's in bank accounts, what's in savings accounts. Figure out in discovery because discovery is still going on. You know what do they have in their bank account? What are they contributing to their retirement accounts? What kind of bonus did they get this year? What are their future deferred compensation packages potentially? All these things can mean that they can still pay support during the temporary portion of this furlough. So if it's just a furlough and they're going to get their job back, this is only a temporary problem. If they are terminated, obviously it could be a long term problem but you still can get support temporarily if they have the means to pay it. Right. Okay. Well, and I, and I suppose too, you know, not to be crass about it, but that parent who's lost their job should be looking for a job. I assume there's an obligation to some degree to support the child. I, I don't know how that works. No, there is until, until a court order is entered otherwise. And most judges are going to bend over backwards to make sure support continues, but they're not going to force somebody to pay they can't pay. The person receiving support, it's really important to figure out that ability to pay. And before you just assume that the person's job loss means they can't pay, right. you, you want to go forward with 
with discovery and find out. So you should file too uh, to make sure you have that discovery process going on. So let's talk now about, I think it's the the third thing in, in this realm of we've got child support, spousal support, and child custody we've talked about. What about divorce itself? So people right. have been locked up in their homes. I thank goodness, because we're an essential uh, function here as lawyers, we get to go to work and leave the house, you know, get along with my wife. But I could imagine how challenging it is to have the kids at home learning remotely or just at right. home, and then your spouse at home. It's a different situation, and you're, you're trying to work, and it's got to put strain on mental health and on relationships. What do you do? I mean, I don't, you know, every circumstance is different. I get that. But generally, what's your advice if you feel I want to talk to a lawyer about my options? I realize something's wrong with, with my spouse or, or the relationship. It's not right. Have a consultation with a lawyer. Find out your options. If you're not, you should never go for a divorce until you're sure, just like you should never get married until you're sure. Right. And one thing you can do, you can have a consultation. You can have one of our COVID room consultations where you have the privacy you need you know, for an hour just to talk it through and figure out your options. But if you're certain that this is what you want to do, file for divorce now. Okay. The unbelievable delay that is going to happen with the court system after all the backlog of cases oh, gets started back on the docket. So now there's delay in getting divorces. You know, for example, in Virginia, it's a one-year waiting period if you have children to get a divorce, right? There's going to be delay. You're not going to get a trial date for a year anyway. Well, imagine now when all these cases from March and April and May and maybe even June are put back on the docket, the backlog is going to be insane. So file now. So you want to get ahead of the game. And, and so somebody could just literally call you, schedule, hop in their car, drive to one of the office locations, and right. walk into a room by themselves, close the door and be on a video chat, just like we're doing right now. Right. With you and talk this through with you. Yeah. And I can get as much information as I need to get you filed. I can put it on the docket for scheduling super fast. I can get into court and I can get you in early in the line here of the backlog. It's still going to be a long time. But think about all the things we got to do in the meantime. We got to do discovery. We got to get to the bottom of a lot of what your assets are, and what your uh, custodial issues are. We got to figure out each side's income. We got to figure out whether any special needs of the children that might need to be addressed, mental health issues, all that work that goes into normal divorces. It takes months to complete. Filing now gets you in the front of the line and it, and it, it ensures that you're going to be maximizing the time during the delay, doing all the preliminary work we need to do before we even get to court. Gotcha. Okay. And, and now, John, let's talk for a second about mental health and mental health issues and law and what's happening during this particular challenge in our American history here. And I really don't know what issues are, are appearing. I know that that's one of the things that you're kind of a leader in when it comes to mental health and family law. But what issues are you seeing? How do people deal with them? Mental health law or mental health, mental illness law is all about finding a strategy to get someone treatment in an imperfect system. The system just got a lot more imperfect. Healthcare workers are stretched thin. Bed space generally is, is lesser. You know, social distancing impacts the ability of professionals to treat individuals with mental health, but they are deemed essential. Most psychiatrists, psychologists are continuing to treat patients as, as always, just like lawyers are continuing to consult with clients as always, but it's just, it changes a, lo a little bit. I okay. can see a situation where in the next few months, we're going to see a spike in the number of emergency commitment hearings that occur involuntary hospitalization spike because people are affected differently by this. 
you could have a tragic death related to the, the illness. You could have someone who's infected by the illness who's already mentally ill that has unknown effects of the, the wow. virus. Yeah. You could have people that are placed in situations where they're having to be stuck with people that, that exacerbate their illness. There's all kinds of things that can happen. The main thing to remember is that the courts are still open to you. This is an emergency situation. Most mental health law in Virginia and other states is emergencies. And emergencies can be heard, and that includes mental illness, includes criminal cases where the person may not be a criminal, they may just be mentally ill. All right. that can still be dealt with. So it's very important you talk to, to an attorney about how you can deal with your mental health strategy, even in a situation like we're in now. Okay. So I know, and John, isn't it right? You've served as both a, a substitute judge in regular court and as a mental health judge. So you've kind of right. seen this from all sides, not only as an advocate for families, advocate for the the mentally ill, but also as a judge for both of those right? in the family context and in the mental health context. This reminds me a lot of the uh, post 9-11 era in terms of the impact that had. And then the 2008 Great Recession, when people were hurting financially and it exacerbated mental health issues significantly. And we ju you just need to remember that there's still access to the system during this period of time. Don't go dark. Have a strategy. Have a way to deal with the mental health issues that your loved one is facing, even in the face of, of a healthcare crisis. And so if, if they need to talk to somebody about a strategy again, this clean room consultation or a, a phone call with you or an, an attorney who does what you do would be a good idea for anybody. That's right. You, you come to our office uh, in a secure location without very limited human contact, have video conferencing in a private room, not a, you know, perhaps the person who's mentally ill is in your home with you right now. You can distance yourself from that, have the privacy by coming to one of our offices and having a video consultation in a private room in a more secure environment. And John, let me ask you this. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about kind of the realm of family law and mental health and even the COVID-19 things that are going on that I haven't asked you today that I, I should have researched or asked you about, a question that I've missed? Well, let me add one other dimension to this. One of the practice areas we do is special education law. Okay. And that's basically maintaining your child's right to a free and appropriate public education. Even though we're in a period of time of long distance learning or remote learning, whatever uh, your school district is calling it, there's still that duty to provide that public education to your child. So make sure that whatever the remote learning that's going on is addressing the special needs of your child. An IEP doesn't get canceled just because COVID-19 hits America. So make sure that you're looking at your special education options as well. What's an IEP, John? I'm sorry. Individualized education plan, okay. which is an is a, a education plan in normal times that's put in place to accommodate a child who has special needs in public education. That IEP may need to be reviewed. It may need to be looked at. You may need to have a, a Ring Central or Zoom meeting with the IEP team to, to make special accommodations. Remote learning is not going to be universal for every child. And we need to make sure that the children who need special treatment when they're in a classroom also right. get the same rights to that appropriate education when they're learning from home. Okay, understood. The big takeaways for me are for child custody, it's be reasonable and focus on the best interest of the child. And for everything, for support, custody, and divorce, file early so you get on the court's docket, get ahead of the game there. And if you can't pay or you need to get paid, 
you need to file early to get on the court's docket and to establish at the time that it happened what the circumstances were. So you see, those, those seem to be the big takeaways, best interest of the child. And if you got to file or if there's going to be an issue, file now because you're going to be severely delayed by this crisis uh, when courts do reopen in full. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, Tom. <laughs> you did say it. I just repeated it. John Whitbeck from Whitbeck Bennett, thank you for joining us. And all my friends and watchers for the Black Letter Podcast, thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Black Letter Podcast, something that affects everyone. Stay safe. Download our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from uh, the Apple iTunes Store, Play, Spotify, and we'll see you next time on Black Letter. Thanks. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com. 